Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform their businesses, stay relevant, meet the needs of their customers, and do the impossible every day. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run, but you already know that. Thank you to our very loyal audience all over the world. We're happy to have you on board. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today, what we're going to be talking about. Okay, I have a quote from Don Tapscott and his son Alex Tapscott. I found this quote on an HBR Harvard Business Review.org article by them. Don Tapscott, if you're not familiar with him, born in 1947, is a Canadian business executive, author, consultant who specializes in business strategy, and his son Alex, born in 1986, is a Canadian business author and advisor, and together they co-founded the Blockchain Research Institute. I just gave you a clue what we're talking about. Here's the quote. Much of the hype around blockchains has focused on their potential to fundamentally change the financial services industry. However, and this is the Tapscots talking, our two-year research project involving hundreds of interviews with blockchain experts provides strong evidence that the blockchain could transform business government and society in perhaps even more profound ways. Yes, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let me give you a little more background. When we talk about blockchain, we talk about trust, that very, very, very important five-letter word that is key to doing business no matter who you are and where you're doing business in the world. So blockchain establishes trust among multiple business processes and parties. It's best known, come on, you associate it popularly with Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency, but blockchain is a lot more than that. It's a distributed ledger technology and it can be integrated into all kinds of business processes that require trust. So we go back to that. There's a growing cross-industry necessity, meaning the window is open, the eyes are open, and the brains are open, the minds are open, and people are saying, ah, how can we use blockchain? They're using it in everything from banking and finance, we know that, to food safety, to public good, to government bureaucracy. They're even using it to verify the authenticity of pharmaceuticals, which is important, to combat counterfeits in all kinds of industries. And if you've ever bought a really expensive bottle of wine, you want to know the provenance or who handled that bottle from the vineyard all the way up to the bottling to you buying it or buying it at an auction. Blockchain can be involved in the safety of the authenticity of that bottle. It's used everywhere. So we're going to explore today what else blockchain can do besides the familiar application in the finance industry. And so our title today is Blockchain Endless Application. I love the word endless beyond procurement and finance. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have two special guests with me. We have Dan Rao at Toyota and Raymond Gross at SAP. I'm going to have my guests introduce themselves to you so you get to hear a little bit about who they are and what this topic means to them. So Dan Rao at Information Systems at Toyota. Dan, welcome, and please tell us who you are and what you do. Dan? Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having Mm -hmm. me on the show. Uh, I work at Toyota. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. I work at Toyota and Information Systems, and I support uh, the Compliance and Audit Office. So I've been working with trade compliance teams very closely in trying to see how blockchain can be used in their area. Um, 
I've led a couple of blockchain initiatives in the last couple of years, specifically around supply chain. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a patent on building inter-organizational workflows on the blockchain. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a very interesting area, and we are uh, we have already working on a couple of pilots, and we are looking to put something into production within the next uh, uh, six months to a year. Very interesting. Dan, do you find blockchain to be exciting? Is this exciting technology? Do, does your management come to you or customers and say, hey, we heard about blockchain and we want it to be supply chain. We want it to be in procurement. We want it to be in, I don't know, verifying certain parts for certain things we're manufacturing. That's part of supply chain, I know. Is there an excitement or is this a, I don't know, I've heard about blockchain. Too good to be true. What's What's the feeling about it when you talk about it? Yes, we have people from all uh, ends of the spectrum. Uh, we have people, um, and the majority of them are cautiously optimistic. We have a few mm-hmm. uh, champions of blockchain in the, in the company, and we have a few naysayers as well. So we have uh, a mix, and it's a healthy mix, uh, and there's a conflict. So we have to be, able, I mean, it's, it's uh, resulting in some very interesting, very powerful discussions, and it's uh, helping us uh, evolve our use cases and making sure that those use cases are applicable to uh, bringing in returns. You know, the the ROI has to be justified when we are applying the blockchain technology. Thank you, Dan. I'm very impressed with your answer. The idea you said we have a healthy mix. We have the doubters, the naysayers, we have the enthusiasts, and the healthy mix. That concept is probably a business mantra. Wouldn't you say for any company around the world when you're looking at blockchain or any kind of quote-unquote new technology, when you say, well, some people say no, some people say I don't know, some people say maybe, some people say yes, bring it on. So healthy healthy mix, that's a, that's a very optimistic view. Thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate that. I think we could publish a little uh, blog on that, don't you think, Dan? About healthy oh, yeah, mix absolutely. of skepticism. Yeah, thank you. I love yes. what you said. Uh, and and now let's bring on our your co-panelist, Raymond Gross, and we'll be hearing from Dan again in a few minutes with this fabulous quote he sent me for the show. Raymond Gross, Innovation Manager and Blockchain Strategist at SAP SE. And Raymond was on Game Changers with me quite a while ago. Raymond, it's been too long. So please tell us what you've been up to and catch us up on the world of Raymond Gross. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. It's good to be back here. It has been way too long. You're absolutely right. Um, So I'm with new technologies and trends since uh, more than 20 years. I do that for the SAP Innovation Center Network, so that's the innovation arm of the company, and I have the luxury to evaluate emerging trends and technology for a living. Um, which uh, also resulted in, in blockchain in 2015 uh, popping up on our radar. Actually, it was a, was a bit earlier, but it uh, gained traction, and then it was on our shortlist. So we, we decided to go into that uh, more deeply. So I was, since 2015, living through the full blockchain hype cycle. I saw the topic grow and explode in 2015 and 16, and experienced the hype in full swing in, in 17 and the first half of 2018. And, um, yeah, well, th- since then, uh, living through the Valley of Tears and uh, working the way up to the <laughs> plateau of productivity ever since. Um, in due course, I think I discussed more than 100 blockchain-related ideas and, and, and use cases. 
and um, it was uh, with everybody, and, and this is where, where I copied Dan here, um, this was with everybody from the naysayer to the enthusiasts, and um, mm -hmm. in reality, uh, it's somewhere in the middle, and um, this is where we are today. So it uh, kept me busy for um, yeah, a good four years of my life, actually. It, it sounds so long talking about that now. Very interesting. I had no idea that, that people were looking. I know it's been around a while, but actually seriously looking at it. And, and do you agree with my opening, Raymond, that there are so many more applications? We're looking at pharmaceuticals. We're looking at all kinds of business processes. Dan mentioned supply chain. We're looking at it for what I call the valuables when people really, really need authenticity of something they're buying. Food safety is another one. Are you seeing those type of applications or even more than that? Raymond? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the tricky part is um, putting that onto, onto a timeline. And uh, I think part of the, of the dis disillusionment we experienced after the hype was exactly resulting from all those promises and, and silver bullet discussions on what blockchain might be able to solve. And those, those people saying that might not be wrong. It's just not happening overnight. And, and this mm -hmm. is um, what needs a more substantial, more educated discussion on the topic. And, but I, I think I'm rushing ahead here, um, and, and we will have plenty of time covering that. And so yes. I, I will be able to talk about a few examples later on. Thank you very much. And by the way, those of you just tuning in, uh, there has been a recorded mystery about the originations of blockchain. I'm just going to read a little bit from the web just so somebody, everybody knows. The first recorded mention of blockchain technology came in a document, and some call it a white paper, published back in 2008. So that's 11 years ago by the mysterious founder or founders of Bitcoin, only known as Satoshi Nakamoto. Has the mystery ever been solved, Raymond or Dan? Do we know any more than that now? Well, people claim that they, they would be Nakamoto, and it's, uh, it's, it's up for a lot of conspiracy theories, but to my best knowledge, no, it has not been revealed. The latest one that I heard is um, that it's attributed to Linus Torvalds, the, the founder of uh, the Linux operating system. That was the latest one I came across a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my. I, Dan, you have uh, any updates? Dan, go ahead. Somebody was uh, posting a conspiracy theory that they found Satoshi Nakamoto in uh, Australia like a few years ago. But, hey, it's still a mystery. So it it's Not a real confirmed. person. I, I remember that there was a, a quite a controversy. Yeah, in, uh, in Wikipedia, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is the name used by the pseudonymous, I have to pronounce that right, person or persons who developed Bitcoin, authored the Bitcoin white paper, and created and deployed Bitcoin's original reference implementation. And there's a picture here of somebody called Dorian Nakamoto being Satoshi on Investopedia.com. Oh, we're, we could spend a whole show on this, but we're not going to. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, for those of you just tuning in and new to Game Changers Radio, we have 43 series heard all over the world. We had over a million and a quarter of you listening last year, so we're very happy to bring this series. And what we specialize here on Game Changers Radio are thought leadership roundtables. We don't promote or sell anything. We just talk about interesting topics related to business related to technology and strategy and success. So today I'm speaking with two very interesting and savvy gentlemen, Dan Rao at Toyota and Raymond Gross at SAP. And our topic today is blockchain, endless application, 
beyond procurement and finance. So we're expanding the universe of how you can use it. I ask my guests on all of our Game Changer shows to send me an interesting quote. We love movie quotes. We love song quotes. And the quote technically has nothing to do with the topic. And then I ask them to creatively link the quote to the topic. So we're going to start off the quote portion of the show with the quote Dan Rao at Toyota sent me. And it was stated in the movie Office Space 1999 by the character Milton Wadams, W-A-D-D-A-M-S, played by the actor Stephen Root. It was a romance comedy film, uh, and I'm not going to go into too much. I'm just going to read the quote, which is very funny on its own, and, and ask Dan to relate it to our topic. So the quote from Milton Wadams in Office Space is, Excuse me, I believe you have my stapler? <laughs> Dan, <laughs> I don't even know what it means, and I'm laughing. And I never saw the movie. Dan, you have to help me out here. Draw the dotted yeah, line. The so, uh, <laughs> so Office Space is one of my favorite movies. I, anytime I catch it on TV, I end up watching the whole movie again. I think I've watched it about fifteen, twenty times. Oh and actually, goodness. I could quote so many. I could quote so many lines from that movie. It's uh, it's not even funny. But uh, this is one of my favorite quotes because uh, Milton is a uh, 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 tech worker uh, working for this company in tech, and it's uh, and basically the company is going through reorganization, and he is trying to hang on to one last piece of his uh, the item that he had. I mean, they even stopped his paycheck, but he still hangs on to this uh, stapler of his, and it's very precious for him, and. Uh, his boss takes away his stapler, and so he just ends up towards the end of the movie. I don't want to give it give away too much to our viewers who haven't watched this movie, but he ends up burning the house down, the the office down <laughs> because sorry. of that stapler. <laughs> it just it's sounds a really like, funny movie. It is, and, and you know and, what uh, I. F- I found the line, Dan, that precedes this. Is it okay with you if I read it from the character Bill Lundberg? Okay, so Bill Lundberg says, Milt, meaning Milton, we're going to need to go ahead and move you downstairs into storage B. We have some new people coming in, and we need all the space we could get. So if you could just go ahead and pack up your stuff and move it down there, that would be terrific, okay? And Milt answers, excuse me, I believe you have my stapler. What a a great scene. (laughs) Uh, Dan, you're my hero for for bringing us such a fun movie quote. I really appreciate that. And I have to stop laughing because it's a very serious topic. Thank you, Dan. I'm going to have to go find the movie online. Let's move on to, oh, Raymond Gross has also brought us a movie quote from another classic. This quote is from Rocky, uh, 1977. Rocky Balboa is the name of the film. 2006, um, Let's see now. Rocky Balboa. Which one was it from? Rocky in 1977 or Rocky Balboa in 2006, Dan? I'm sorry, Raymond. Which one was the quote from? Do you remember? Uh, as far as I know, it was from, from the original one. Although don't nail me that they didn't use it in, in the remake as well, but uh, I remember it from the original, so to say. Okay, so let me just give the quote now, and everybody listen up. Nobody is going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I love the quote. Raymond, how did you find this one? Yeah, to me, to me, this is something like an allegory for what innovation is for me, or more specifically in context of the show here, what what blockchain has developed over the past years. Um, making something, making a topic successful, requires living through failure and disappointment, and you have. You have to get up, you have to get back on track, pull yourself together, learn from what, ha- what has happened, what 
worked and more importantly what didn't work and then uh, pick up there and, and, and move on. And, and only that attitude will at the end result in uh, making something successful. And I talked about the Valley of Tears and uh, the topic of blockchain moving gradually up, upwards uh, to this uh, slope of productivity. And, and, and this is exactly the yeah, the parallel I'm I'm seeing to that quote here, and this is why it struck me. Um, it's it's relevant for all innovation, I think, and 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 change and transitions, but specifically in in context of of blockchain, it's well, it illustrates what has happened to me over the past uh, four years, in a way. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I love movie quotes. I'm grateful to to both of you. Now we're going to get to know the both of you a little more up close and personal, and then we're going to take a break, just giving you a heads up here. So, Dan Rao, love to know two things about you. Number one, where in the world are you calling us today? And second question is, what kind of beverage do you love to drink? It could be an after-work beverage, anything, coffee, tea, water, juice, soda, milk, beer, wine, curing, espresso, vitamix, champagne. It could be a cocktail, a green drink, a special tea, a special beer, anything. What's your favorite drink? So first, where are you calling from, Dan Rao? Well, I'm calling from Plano, Texas. I used to live in Cincinnati, but I moved here uh, six months ago. Um, and my favorite drink, I would say, I mean, I have to have my morning cup of coffee, but that's mm-hmm. just out of habit. My favorite drink, I would say, is a cocktail called Sazerac, and it's mm. made of uh, rye bourbon. I lived in Kentucky for about 16 years, and I got uh, hooked on uh, bourbon. And rye, I love Sazerac as a drink because it has got pH uh, bitters and absinthe, and it gives it a Swedish uh, flavor on top mm-hmm. of the strong flavor of bourbon. So I, I really enjoy that drink. That's one of my uh favorite drinks. There are only a few restaurants that actually uh, prepare that cocktail, so if I find one, I stick to it. Well, I will tell you that it has its own listing. Where am I? I'm on, I googled it and has a listing. I'm not sure where this is from. Oh, Wikipedia. The Sazerac. See if this is the right one, Dan. Is a local New Orleans variation of a cognac or whiskey cocktail named for the Sazerac de Forge a Fils brand of cognac brandy that served as its original main ingredient. Ingredients are a quarter ounce of absinthe, one sugar cube, yeah. one and a half ounces of rye whiskey or cognac, and three dashes of Peychaud's bitters. Is that the right one? That is the right one. Uh, uh, but I use bourbon instead of yes. whiskey. Yes, very. I was going to say you have your your own version, and there's also a, ver- a version of it at Sazerac Cocktail Recipe at Liquor L I Q U O R dot com. There's a couple of them there, and they even have a website for the Sazerac Company Sazerac S A Z E R A C dot com slash cocktail. So it's all, and Esquire has mm. one as well. Very interesting. We're going to have to start a, a worldwide trend. We're going to have to see next what. Thank you, Dan. What is Raymond drinking? Raymond, tell me where you are today. I know we called you. So where are you? I'm calling in uh, from the SAP headquarters here in Waldorf, Germany. It's a lovely evening, and um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to having my after drink, uh, after work drink actually, and uh, it's uh, it's port tonic, and I have a, have a story that goes with it um, mm-hmm. because I I learned to. I learned to love it um, being on vacation two years ago in the in the city of Porto, so the largest city in in Portugal after the capital mm-hmm. of Lisbon. And um, well, it's it's known for the soccer team, so the FC Porto, but it's also famous for for the port wine. So this is uh, some fortified wine produced with uh, distilled grape spirits, 
and it's very, very exclusive to the region of uh, of the northern province of, of Portugal, where where Porto is located on the on the western end, and it's called the Douro Valley, and uh, it's it's on the Douro River. So that that wine is typically for the reason uh, for for the region it, it's um, exclusively harvested and 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 made in the in the Douro Valley. So it's it's sweet. It's quite often served as a dessert wine. It's most of the time red, but they have it in white as well. And together with tonic, it gives like a refreshing and a, and a bit of exotic summer drink. So my first thought was, uh, oh, oh my God, what what do you do to the to the good wine? But actually, that was <laughs> something where the locals were very uh, accustomed to, and and I, I love to use it. So I tasted it the first time in Porto as a as a sundowner with a great view over the Douro River, uh. and um, so this drink brings back a lot of pleasant memories for me. It sounds lovely, and I found a recipe. I found a, a website about it, uh, Raymond at vine v i n e pair p a i r dot com, and the title of the article is "Portugal's Easy Breezy Aperitif Proves That Austerity and Self Care Can Coexist." And they say Porto Tonico. A breezy combination of dry, fortified wine and tonic water is one of the world's great aperitifs. In Portugal, the early evening cocktail is so widespread it almost seems compulsory. Going after work, relax with a Porto Tonica. Going to the beach, have a Porto Tonica. A dark tavern, Porto Tonica. White tablecloth restaurant with five-course meals and tasting menus. Sirs and madames might want to start with a Porto Tonico. Did I get the right one, Raymond? Yes, absolutely, and and they have a very very nice way of illustrating or articulating all the all the passion that's uh, that's in it as well. I, I I wasn't able to express it that way, but I I subscribe to it. That's uh, that's exactly to the point. Very nice. Thank you. I really uh, I really appreciate both of you bringing such very interesting drinks. You know, I think I've done, oh, 200 shows a year. I've done about 1,500 Game Changer shows. And in the beginning, uh, way back in the day, Raymond, when I started this in 2011, 2012, I used to ask my guests, what's in your cup today? And the idea was, is if it was a morning, I was going to get a cup of coffee from them, and it was the afternoon, maybe we, I'm getting ready for a bottle of wine. And what's interesting was, more often than not, people said, eh, there's just nothing but something boring in front of me, but I wish I was drinking. So I started asking them for their very favorite beverage, and that's how we got here. So in case you're wondering, Raymond knows me, Dan doesn't know me very well yet. I'm not allowed to have anything with caffeine in it, Dan, on radio show days, and Tuesday and Wednesdays are doubleheader days. I had another live show a few hours ago, and yesterday I had two shows an hour apart. So I'm only permitted to have water, but the big, and I'm here in Durham, North Carolina, so I'm waving hello to you in Plano, Texas, Dan. Can you see me? The curly red hair leaning out oh, the yeah. window? Yes, yeah, absolutely. okay. I thought so. I can see you too. Nice smile, just like your picture. Um, the big news is that I have switched from plastic straws, because I heard they're gunking up our oceans, to paper straws, which I hated the taste and the feel of them. And I just bought a package of silicone straws. And it's very hard getting used to this feeling of fabric in your mouth that kind of bends all over the place. But I'm doing the best I can. So I have my cool, clear glass of water here. And a silicon straw, because I'm trying to save the planet. So there. If you're just yeah. tuning in, there are a this is of sea turtles. That's the <laughs> thing. Thank you to you. <laughs> I had a friend say to me, "Why it's it's like point one of one percent of the ocean gunk is is straws?" And I said, well, "I'm just 
trying to do my part. So there you go. Thank you, Dan. You just validated me. So <laughs> some people are using metal straws. I don't think I'd like that. If you're just tuning in, this is Reinventing Life and Business, and we are in so many ways, but we're talking today focusing on the concept of blockchain technology. How can it be used past what we think of in finance, procurement, perhaps supply chain? What other in- industries? Where can it be used? How can it be used as a distributed ledger that authenticates, that validates? And I will add one note to, to my panelists, Dan Rao at Toyota and Raymond gross we i'm a programmer from way back in the day of key punching and great big computer machines that took up a whole warehouse you know where they had a little uh, a big thing that lifted the tiles off the floor a big magnet you had to hold in both hands and i remember i'm losing my train of thought exactly here i was going to talk about um, you know what i'll tell you when we come back I'll, i'll tell you when you come back i got so involved in the story that i forgot what i was going to say so we're going to take a quick break shout out to michelle hickey and her team at sap for putting together the show. Uh, Savannah Vole is on the team now. Hello, Savannah. Thank you for your hard work. We're going to take a break. I need a break. I really do. So whatever you're drinking, whatever you're thinking, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Aaron out. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In a world of digital disruption, the volume of data is endless. It's changing the way we live and work. What do you want to do with it? Get end-to-end visibility and transparency? Predictive insights? Drive operational excellence? Increase profits? Realize the digital promise today? Let's get started. Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers brings you insights from the forward-thinking technology leaders who are making that happen. We'll delve into what it means to digitally transform your business from the top floor to the shop floor. We'll discuss how innovation is impacting every facet of life and business. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top innovation and strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how intelligent technologies are shaping the future for all of us. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers. Exactly right. Here we are, and we're talking to Dan Rao at Toyota Information Systems and Raymond Gross at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham thinking about what I was drinking all those years ago. We'll figure it out, not to worry. We're talking about blockchain. How wide are the potential applications? How can it help your business? Oh, I know what I was talking about. Okay, I got it. Dan and Raymond. We had a, when I was a programmer analyst working for the state of Oregon Community College Division, we had a, a saying, and it's very popular in, in programming and in computers, and it was GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. And let me just ask both of you. I've been told that when you have information, putting it into this immutable, Im, un, un, impenetrable blockchain that's going to be this single truth of where something started and where it got to and who touched it and who processed it, all that good information. If you start with, 
garbage, or I'll say C-R-A-P so the children don't know the word, it's it's still not going to, it'll be the truth about something that's not truthful. Are, are you running into any of that? Uh, Dan, let's just quickly go with that and then Raymond, and then we'll get into our, our formal roundtable. Dan, what's your thought? G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. What do you think? Within enterprises, especially when the data is being passed around from one application to another, then it loses some of its integrity. And when there's uh, multiple, when you're pulling application uh, data from multiple applications and there's conflicting information of updates, gets tampered unknowingly or knowingly, and then it results in downstream impact. So you're absolutely right about that. So blockchain has the ability to not only, I mean, as you said, tamper-proof. Uh, mm-hmm. data and any changes to that can be is recorded so you have a chronol- chronological uh, uh, list of uh, the changes that are made to the data so having that kind of visibility or traceability into the data is uh, is of immense value. Thank you. Raymond, thoughts on GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. Is that a possibility that's going to taint the reputation of all the good that blockchain can do? Just a reality check, that's all. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. And it, um, it dawns to me that uh, some uh, seemingly old concept, uh, you mentioned your days of uh, programming, right, mm-hmm. uh, back then, um, that those seemingly old concepts never, never outdated. And, and it's still, still a matter of um, getting a specific blockchain use case or project right. And it's, it's already touching on something that's, that's very important. I'm pretty sure we will come back to that. It's um, getting the whole business process, getting, getting the whole scenario right, and this extends very much beyond blockchain as a, as a core technology. And, and securing those input interfaces is, is one essential part of it. And, and, well, if you fail to do so, you're absolutely right. What value can you get from untrusted, um, irrelevant, mm-hmm. and, um, and not true information, even, even though it's immutable. Um, um, there's, there's no case in, in, in doing it. It might even hurt you. So, so yes, spot on, this is a problem. Thank you. Thank you very much both for indulging my question. It just dawned on me that when we're talking about the, the single truth, it has to start with something that really is true. So that must be a challenge. Dan Rao sent me, and Raymond Gross also sent me, some very interesting discussion statements for this part of the show, our roundtable. And so I'm going to start off with one from Dan. Dan will expand it, tell us what he means by it. Then I'll ask Raymond to chime in, and I'll say, Raymond, agree or disagree? And you can spin that any way you want. And then I'll pick a statement from Raymond's list, and we'll We'll have him explain it, and Dan will respond, and then we'll go back and forth. I have a lot of great discussion statements from both of you, so thank you for your prep to both of you. Dan Rao told me the following before the show. He said, when discussing blockchain feasibility, we're talking about the feasibility now, the key question to ask is, does the ecosystem benefit from decentralization? Dan, can you unpack that for us, please? There's a lot of good information in that statement. Go ahead. Absolutely, uh, Bonnie. Uh, so when uh, we build out use cases for bo- blockchain, uh, typically the naysayers are people who are, optim- uh, are kind of pessimistic about blockchain. The first question they say is, why cannot we do this same project or this application? Why can't we build this application using uh, traditional architecture or traditional uh, technologies like Java or .NET? I mean, uh, why or build an enterprise solution? Why do we have to build it as a blockchain-based solution? 
I think that's actually missing the core a benefit or mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the core value proposition of blockchain, which is uh, decentralization. So then the question then becomes: Is does this use case, just from a purely business perspective, does this use case benefit from decentralization? So if you have everyone in your ecosystem working off of the same same platform, is that a benefit to it? And Answering that question is key. In a supply chain-based solution, having your third-party logistics providers, your suppliers, uh, say customs brokers, or your trade finance companies, um, all on the same ecosystem, I think has got tremendous amount of value, especially if the data is tamper-proof, is uh, immutable, and you can establish uh, traceability from an end-to-end perspective. I think that is that is the way to think about blockchain use cases as opposed to taking a business problem problem and solving it for your enterprise for your specific your siloed use case. Thank you. Raymond Raymond talk to me agree or disagree some interesting information in what Dan just shared what do you think? Yeah, I'm sorry. There's nothing to disagree uh, about, <laughs> and I, I know you love a little bit of disagreement in your show, um, but uh, but you already see that Dan is a seasoned pro in the topic here, so so it's hard hard for me to to disagree with something on that statement. But I want to give it like a a, a different um, a perspective. He, he was mm-hmm. uh, talking about the benefits for the ecosystem, and I I want to look at it from from slightly a different angle. And for me, it's it's a question of alternatives. So in, in, in a um, given ecosystem, let's, let's take um, uh, su- supplier-buyer relationships. Are there alternatives? And there might be alternatives if, if you look at a typical automotive setup where, where an uh, automotive company is able to kind of dictate uh, system usage to their suppliers and, and, and you either comply and play by the rules or you're out and, and don't do any, any, any business. So, so there's little alternative in that. However, if we look at, at scenarios where people are operating a little more on, on, on eye level, healthcare is typically one of those examples that come to mind where there's no mm-hmm. single dominant party. Um, then the question is, is there an alternative to, to a decentralized system, which would be a centralized system. And, and we always do that little thought experiment. So, so put everybody in that ecosystem around the table and then virtually assign system ownership to each of the individuals in, the, in a round robin. And if you come to the situation that it doesn't matter who's in control of the system and, and, and who's owning the central system, you're good to go pick any and, and, and go with the central implementation. But most of the time in that thought experiment, you come to the point that we would, wouldn't be in agreement. So you would offer to own the system, but then would disagree, and I might be, um, m- maybe I wouldn't care, maybe I would disagree as well, then I would say, well, I can own the system and provide it as a service to you guys. You would violently disagree, and we wouldn't agree uh, with Dan owning the system as well. So we have the situation now of there, there is no alternative in, in doing a central system. And if the alternative is not digitizing a process, going back to cumbersome manual paper-based reconciliation work, whatever you might have, well, this is exactly the situation um, that would, um, where you would benefit from looking at blockchain and, and, and a different alternative of, of implementa- implementing such a system. And, and this is sort of a little bit of my perspective 
Um, everybody needs to benefit from, from, from doing that. And, and I, with my argument, I'm, I'm uh, even, even a step further in saying, well, if, um, if, if we cannot agree on, on, on something centralized, uh, well, then hopefully blockchain to the rescue. Thank you very much. I like that last statement there, Raymond, blockchain to the rescue, hopefully. I'm looking at uh, one of your statements now. I'm going to jump over to the list of statements that Raymond Gross sent me before the show. Here's a very provocative statement. I'll ask you to unpack that, and then we'll see what Dan has to say. Raymond says, blockchain is a team sport. Never heard it put that way. And a catalyst for new forms of collaboration that bring corporates, NGOs, public authorities, and consumers closer together, irrespective of national or industry boundaries. Raymond, tell me more. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked, uh, picked that because it's exactly picking up on the, um, on the area of the topic we, we, we had previously now on, on, on the ecosystem. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that is something that, that Dan said in his, his previous statement. It, it, it doesn't... Um, well, it's it's not very useful. It doesn't make a lot of sense if if you do it for a central entity for for a single company. So we're talking about the ecosystem. We're talking about the team sport. Um, add to that the the aspect of collaboration on 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 eye level of participants um, being equally involved in that process. And and um, what first comes to mind is is typically. Um, uh, something supply chain related, or just pick uh, something just recently in the news, like like as early as, uh, as this week, from from an uh, consortium in insurance, where they are now based on blockchain, able to digitize processes between reinsurance companies and mm. the insurance companies, and and this is across company activities, and and it has been pending for them for. 10 plus years, and, and they were not able to g- agree on, on an implementation exactly for what I said earlier on. Namely, they couldn't agree on where to put the centralized system. Now, with the decentralized mm. architecture coming into play, blockchain is a catalyst and, and, and drives those discussions around digitalization and, and much, much further extending beyond the technology. And, and this is the exciting part, and this is also the part um, you, you have to take in mind, if, if it's just for a single entity, if it's just for the benefit of, of a single corporation in, in all that ideas and use cases, my experience is um, blockchain is not a good technology to implement because there are alternatives that are cheaper, that are more proven, that are um, more mature. But if we're looking at things that weren't possible before, Hey, it's exciting times um, that the technology offers here to drive those discussions. Exactly. I love the word exciting, and it is exciting times. Dan Rao, join us. Thoughts about what Raymond just shared, please. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with with, uh, Raymond on most of his points. I think uh, what uh, 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 we are practically saying kind of the same thing. I mean, it is basically decentralization or or, uh, call it a team sport. It's basically... I think it's, uh, you know, democratization of an application where you have multiple parties who can engage with each other without one party uh, owning the application or owning the centralization. And in the previous comment, I think uh, Raymond was mentioning that, you know, uh, Toyota or or any uh, car manufacturer might be able to, you know, dictate terms to its suppliers, which is, uh, which might be true in some instances, but, you know, when we think about from a supplier perspective, now they have multiple OEMs that they're providing um, 
uh, services too. So, you know, for them to have uh, multiple systems for them to, uh, you know, use for the same process, uh, there's a lot of waste. So I think the ecosystem would benefit from having a decentralized system where the functionality is common. There are commonalities of functionality across multiple players. So that because the ordering process, there is no, um, um, there is no uh, advantage, a competitive advantage in an ordering process or a fulfillment process from one OEM to another. So those cases where, where there is no competitive advantage, it might be better off being in a decentralized and uh, decentralized ecosystem where we can just say post an order or we can retrieve a shipping notification. Those kind of use cases within the supply chain um, can benefit tremendously from uh, a blockchain-based solution. Thank you very much. I like the team sport that we were expanding, Dan. I'm looking at your notes here, and let's talk about another level of benefit of blockchain. I'm looking here. Let me read part of your third statement. You say, if you observe how data flows across multiple enterprises in the supply chain, there is a lot of waste. And Dan's talking about data duplication and different versions of the truth. And we started out talking about trust. Well, how can you trust it if there are different versions of what you're supposed to trust? So Dan adds, with blockchain, data integrity, and that's so important today. Data. What do you do with all this data? It's got to have integrity. Data integrity is enforced at a transactional level. Dan, tell us more. How do you get this? How do we, how do we get to this uh, ideal state of data integrity? How does blockchain help? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, in the start of the, the show, you said it's uh, about managing trust. And uh, it's not like blockchain is creating trust. Trust Twitter only works with trusted suppliers. But there's a cost aspect to managing that trust. There are people, there are processes, there are systems that we have put in place so that we can uh, manage that trust. You know, as I say, trust, but uh, verify. Um, so the verification process takes a lot of time. Uh, reconciliation takes a lot of time. With blockchain, we are all working off of one, quote-unquote, system of record. When we send, say, purchase orders or sales orders, um, when we receive sales orders, those kind of things are uh, uh, have different uh, uh, have copies of data across multiple systems. Um, when you're working in a blockchain-based solution, they are being tokenized or they've been uh, through smart contracts. We have a way to build a system of record that establish the connection between us and various parties within our ecosystem. So when we are talking about a part, then it is not, um, it, it can be uniquely identified, a serialized part across the ecosystem between multiple parties. So the part number or a part, uh, a specific part, whether it's in a warehouse with a third-party logistics provider or whether it is with a dealer or whether it's at our, uh, on a shop floor, that can be uniquely identified and its um, source can be established and, and how long it has been sitting in inventory, inventory, aging of its inventory can be established on that specific part along, uh, across the entire end-to-end supply chain. So that kind of data integrity cannot be established right now in traditional systems because you have multiple parties within the ecosystem touching that part. Thank you, Dan. Right. Ray- Raymond, you want to comment on this? I want to move along. 
Yeah, I have a, I have a small comment because it's uh, something that's coming up frequently in, in, in discussion and, and quite often it strikes uh, people uh, as, as being odd. And, and then illustrated that like having that shared system uh, of record and that, that is in, in a way uh, the, the odd part because this is exactly what the solution is about. But, but if, if you look one level deeper, you, you realize that it's not that one system, but it's actually decentralized and distributed. So while physically we are decentralized, virtually we have one logical view on top of that. And, and that is something where it's sometimes difficult to get your head around because it's, it's like so different to what we're used to dealing with in, in, in IT and systems architecture so far. Um, but for me, this is also the, the exciting part where um, I see going forward a lot of new possibilities and, and, and opportunities resulting from. And I, I think um, the cases we talked about so far are um, exactly on that, creating trust on data that is that you can treat and, and, and consider as if it was from your own system. And, and, and that is, uh, well, the game changer, if you allow me the pun here, uh, with um, yes. <laughs> relation to, to the title of the show, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, Very I happy wanted to, to have add you. one more point. You know? Go ahead, Dan. Uh, sure, Dan, go point. ahead. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. right now we work with ERP, Enterprise Resource Systems, and it's intuitive. People get it. Uh, they understand the value from it. I think the future is going to be collaborative resource planning, where the ecosystem has to plan it out. We, uh, we understand the experience, and within the experience, what parties are involved, and how can, the, how can all parties collaborate together to create that resource planning. I think that is where the future is headed. Thank you very much. Yep. Good stuff going on here. Raymond, okay, I'm looking at, let's see now, I'm, I'm skipping back and forth. Uh, Raymond, you have something very interesting uh, about expectations. We all know there's a hype curve to new technologies. And, and if we think about it, I know we look at a lot of technologies here on Game Changers Radio. We look at AR and VR. We look at Internet of Things. We look at uh, everything going on with big data. Maybe that's a passe term. But when we, we just looked at the concept of Bitcoin from 2008, whether Nakamoto did it or who, who, who the conspiracy says did or didn't come up with it, that's relatively new in terms of technologies. So let me read a statement from Raymond's list here, and I think this will help us gel this. We have just a few minutes till our predictions round, and I think we've got a part two show coming up on this because the two of you have a lot more to share with us. But Raymond says, blockchain has not matched the overhyped expectations by many market participants, which anticipated that blockchain would disrupt entire markets and business models within a short period of time. But Raymond adds, however, just because blockchain is overhyped does not mean that it cannot create real-world value. Raymond, this is very provocative. Is the hype cycle over? Are we in the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Cheers? The Mountain of Cheers. Yeah, we, were, we were in the Valley of Tears and hopefully on the, on the upward slope a little bit. And uh, we, see, we see productive cases um, coming up. Um, and um, this, this gives me hope that it really w- will develop in something that can um, provide real-world value on a, on a larger scale, and we see it in, 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 in specific cases already. Why, why did I make that statement? Because um, 
although it's it's a well unfortunate part of the hype curve to be in on on the other side um falling off the cliff uh, from from the peak of the hype cycle resulted in all those uh, bandwagon riders um to to abandon the topic and go somewhere else which means it's it's a lot less noise in the topic it's it's a much more serious discussion it's much more honest work in those uh, projects and well Unfortunately, I have to say there's not every other week some news to blast out because taking something through a maturity curve, putting it into an enterprise context and driving adoption just takes time and there's no, um, no way you can, you can do it seriously with, um, or, uh, and, and equally blast out new information on that like every other week. So, so a lot of the hype has died down, which allows the people that are still with the topic and, and, and still believe in the topic to, to do the, the real-world cases. And, and, and we had some um, uh, great examples in, in, in food traceability, where um, mm-hmm. uh, bumblebee um, um, uh, tuna uh, fish um, a retailer who's, who's offering supply chain visibility based on blockchain. Um, so, so consumers can, can just look up uh, what they just bought and, and, and will see all the stages. Uh, they are tuna filet, the deep fried tuna filet took from the Indonesian sea um, to a retailer in, um, where are you, North Carolina, uh, for mm-hmm. example. Um, so, so this, this is a great step forward in terms of transparency. This is great benefits for consumers to have um, insight into, into food and, and maybe sustainability topics. And for the producer, it's also great because they have um, more insight into their supply chain and also can do a lot for, for, the, for the brand of, um, of their products in, in, in aspects of uh, being transparent, being sustainable, um, being responsible with natural resources, etc., etc. Thank you very much. I like the et cetera, et cetera, Raymond. I know there's a lot, a lot we could have put in there. So we're in the crystal ball predictions round part of the show, and I know we covered just a little bit of what we wanted to, but there's so much more. So what I'm going to ask you to do on the theme of our, our topic today, gentlemen, blockchain endless application beyond procurement and finance, beyond where, where we think it started, where it has the most real-world application so far. Uh, why don't you predict, Dan Rao at Toyota, and then Raymond Gross, and I can give you each about 90 seconds. That's a long time for the crystal ball predictions, as Raymond knows. It's usually 60 seconds. Dan, first you go, please. Tell me, what do you predict will be other areas of, let's say, the favorite or the popular applications where either people are working on it right now or where we're going to see, let's say between now and 2025, when people think of blockchain, what will they be saying? Ah, I'm buying a fine wine. Thank goodness blockchain protects my investment. Ah, I'm buying, I don't know, a used car. Where will blockchain have the most interesting, it could be B2B or B2C applications? Dan Rao, 90 seconds, go. Thank you, Bonnie. I think my prediction is that within 10 years or probably 10 to 15 years, blockchain will be become an industry of its own and it'll be a hundred billion to a trillion dollar worth industry of its own. It will replace a lot of, it will create a major shift in the landscape from supply chain to healthcare to, uh, uh, to various other uh, industries. It will impact everyone and I think it will be, uh, there will be a killer application that comes out in a few years which hasn't come out yet. There are all these companies piloting 
and putting uh, trialing, uh, they're starting trials, but they haven't really come out with a production app of significant size. Uh, I think over the next two to three years, the market will start seeing those applications and suddenly it'll start picking up. And once it starts picking up, picking up uh, on blocks, once blockchain starts picking up, it will end up becoming an industry of its own. And there will be several new billionaires that will come, uh, will be made, like the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Bill Gates of the world. And, and it will replace a lot of the existing software companies, you know, uh, and many data shuffler industries which are focused on data shuffling uh, and intermediaries will be completely wiped out. Thank you. That's a very provocative prediction. I like that, Dan. That's going way out there on, not on a limb. I think you're very safely supported on that limb. Just to say an ex- a big board extending out over the ocean. Raymond Gross, prediction, 90 seconds. Oh, I got almost 60 seconds for you, Raymond. You can go a little shorter. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so my crystal ball is a little shattered on the 15-year timeline, but I would love to borrow Dan's trillion number for my next uh, business case or discussion with board members on the value of the technology, so that would be would help a long way. Um, I, I think uh, where I agree with is it offers the possibility for new ways of value transfers, and this has the potential to significantly impact business processes. Um, this is the long-term perspective now, a little more um, uh, less earth-shattering things first, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have to build it and we have to prove value and benefits um, as soon as we can. Otherwise, there's a risk that it will um, remain a niche topic and, and never mature. Um, so we have to work our way up the plateau of productivity. And then uh, there's related topics that are relevant for making it successful and have high hopes uh, for everything related to identity, um, inter Operability is in the storming phase, the different technologies competing with each other, but looking at it from an enterprise perspective, you want to uh, want them to be interoperable and other like enterprise grade features and characteristics in, in, in form of scale, security performance, those are all things that are frenetically worked at and, and um, hopefully we will see them successful and then we can prove enterprise adoption and we work our way towards a trillion. Thank you. I like that trillion figure. I have a quick comment here, ready to close, but Mohammed Amer, who, who tweets, and thank you so much, at bizuser, at B-I-Z user, says, I go even further. Does blockchain open opportunities for us to completely rethink the existing ecosystem? We don't have time to answer, but I want to say thank you to him for tweeting and retweeting and liking, always being there for us at Game Changers Radio while we're on the air. Appreciate that. Sending you some hugs. And I want to say thank you to my two wonderful panelists, Dan Rob at Toyota and Raymond Gross at SAP. And again, a shout-out to series sponsor Michelle Hickey at SAP and Savannah Vol for your hard work putting this together. I told you it'd be a great show, Savannah. We knew that already. So here's my call. And shout-out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Thank you. So here's finally my call to action. I'll do it veet, veet, very quickly. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dan Rao at Toyota, just like Raymond Gross at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.